Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Arthur Yorinks about his new picture book, Presto and Zesto in Limbo Land, which was co-created with the late Maury Sendak. The book is out now from Michael DeCapua Books, an imprint of HarperCollins, which is sponsoring this podcast. Yarnks has written and directed across various media, including opera, theater, dance, film, and radio, and is the author of more than 35 books, including the children's book Hey Al, illustrated by Richard Egelski, which received the Caldecott Medal. A friend of Maurice Sendak's for more than 40 years, Yorinks collaborated with him on picture books, including The Miami Giant and Mommy, as well as The Night Kitchen Theater. His new book, Presto and Zesto in Limbo Land, isn't so new. The seed for the story about two friends and their adventures in a wacky world were planted in 1990, when Sendak was commissioned to create artwork for the London Symphony Orchestra. Yorinks and Sendak began to riff on a narrative inspired by the images, but the picture book was set aside and left unfinished. Now, some 15 years later, the book is available for the first time. Thank you for speaking with me, Arthur. It's my pleasure. This book has a special backstory. How was it that it came to be rediscovered after all these years? Well, the pictures that were done originally for the London Symphony Orchestra concert were colloquially called um, sugar beets because there is one illustration that depicts the wedding of two sugar beets. And so as a nickname, the, the, the set of pictures were just commonly called that. But the manuscript that Maurice and I came to um, elaborate on had a different title. And so when it was filed away, uh, they were put in, the, the manuscript was put in a different place than the pictures. And indeed, the typed manuscripts, which I, which I typed, Maurice used to keep those in a, in a drawer, not in a flat file where the illustrations were. So after he passed away, and Lynn Caponara, who is the head of the Maurice Sendak Foundation, was going through the files and, and archives, she discovered the manuscript with this odd title, and it took her a little bit of time to remember and figure out that this was the book that Maurice and I were working on tied to those illustrations. So one thing led to another, and then suddenly um, here was the last remaining book that Maurice had as a picture book. And why did it now feel like the right time to return to the project? What kind of shape was the book in? Well, it was, it was completed. It was a, we, we had finished a, a full draft of the, of the text back when we were working on it, and you know, only because we didn't really plan on doing this book as the next project. Maurice was quite involved in other things at the time that we took this up, and I was very involved in the theater projects. And so when we, just as for fun, went into a studio and began to sort of riff on various narratives that could turn the pictures into a picture book, we were both surprised at how well the narrative was shaping up. And when I typed up the, the, what was the 
draft of the manuscript, it was actually complete. You know, it needed a little refinement and the usual work that happens when one goes to publish something. And Maurice and I said to ourselves, well, we'll get to this, you know, down the line. And, you know, how life intrudes. One project led to another on his end, and and uh, one project led to another on my end. And then we even did a pop-up book called Mommy together in between all of this. And then, lo and behold, sadly and tragically, Maurice died. And uh, I was on to other things and wasn't really thinking about this at all until it was rediscovered. So it was a finished work that just needed some refinement when we discovered it. You write in your afterword that the book is in part an homage to the friendship between you and Maurice Sendak, and that working together was like being part of some manic vaudevillian team. Can you talk more about your dynamic? Sure. I mean, we we met um, long, long ago in the late 60s, early 70s, around the the tail end of 69-1970, Maurice was involved in um, creating his book In the Night Kitchen. He was working on that when we met. And it's a rather long story about the oddity of how we met, which is basically that I knocked on his door one day when I was 17, but um, 16 turning 17. And when we became friends, we swore that we would not work on uh, books together. He was well into his career, of course, and I was just beginning. I was also had a parallel career in the theater, and and so both of us were much more interested in just being friends than collaborators. And we didn't. When I met him, it wasn't on any professional purpose. Um, I wasn't trying to reach him to illustrate a book of mine. Frankly, at that time, I didn't have any thoughts of being a children's book author at all. And so later, much later in our friendship, when uh, after, oh, I'm going to guess because I can't do the math that quickly, but let's say 20 years down the line, we finally began to collaborate in the theater world. And then at one point, we both turned to each other and said, why, why, why not <laughs> work together? And so we started you know, we did a few books together, Presto being the, the, the last of them to come out. So, you know, we were good, good friends, best friends for decades. And um, even though we were of different generations, we had very similar backgrounds in our lives. And so we were able to, uh, you know, to have this friendship last for a very long time, which was something special and unique for both of us. What then were some of the challenges of setting out to complete the project in the absence of your co-creator? Well, I, that's a good question. I, I, um, you know, what I had to do, he wasn't there, obviously. So I had to kind of channel not only him, but the time that we were working on it. It was, you know, 15 some odd years before. And, and, uh, and in a in a best sense, it was a great epilogue to our friendship because I had one more opportunity to, in effect, be in the same room with him, obviously figuratively. But uh, and it brought up a lot of really wonderful memories for me, good memories. 
when we were working on this, it was the sort of the height of our friendship. And so, you know, we had started a theater company together and we were doing a lot of things together and, and as well as obviously separately. And so working on the book was not one last chance to, um, to have him as a friend and in, in that sort of particular way and as a collaborator. And the challenge of it was, it was a quite emotional ride to do it, but it was a really deeply joyous and pleasurable thing to do. Coming to the book with fresh eyes, were there new inspirations or unexpected directions you found yourself taking? Yeah, sure. We, we, I mean, I, we, it's already, I'd say we, but, you know, I found that in the normal course of events when you're revising and working on a text, you go through all sorts of things of deleting, adding, you know, switching things around. And so all of that took place. And working with Michael DiCaprio, who was Maurice's longtime editor, my longtime editor. So it was a little bit of the, like the Three Musketeers sort of coming back on one last mission, so to speak. And, and because not only did I know Maurice so well, but surely Michael did, that we were able to, whatever was revised, it felt like we all three were in the room together. And so, I, you know, I think that that part of the project was very successful. Not that I encourage anyone to do this whatsoever, but I don't think anybody would be able to tell what specific words came out of Maurice's mouth or my mouth. Um, and so in some cases, people would be surprised to find out what, you know, if there was a phrase that is in there that people ascribe to either me or Maurice. Um, it really was a, a true collaboration. If he were here, how do you think Sendak would feel about the book? Oh, he would have loved it. I mean, you know, Maurice wasn't known to be doing so-called funny or humorous books in his career. And ever so often, he really wanted to do that. And this was meant to be one of those, although there are undertones and all kinds of references and things in it that are serious, in a sense. But he was an extremely funny person. And so he would have loved that this was happening. Having worked on it for a considerable length of time, what do you hope that the current generation of young readers will take away from Presto and Zesto? Well, you know, it's a simple theme, and it's a theme of both Maurice's and mine, but we, there are different, different perspectives on the same theme, which is just basically how to survive in this crazy mixed-up world of ours. Seems to be mixed up more now than ever before, or at least the poor new generation of kids are facing a, uh, as, as mixed up as it always has been. And I think it's about, the book is about um, friends who manage to get through it and manage to confront various, very cuckoo situations and people and animals and, and by sticking together by taking the journey with somebody else is always nicer and better than being by yourself in most cases. They come out, you know, they come out of it 
in one piece, so to speak. So I, I hope that there's a bit of that that kids or any reader, whether it's kids or adults, and also to have some fun with the book. It's just, you know, it's a story, and and too often we find ourselves, particularly with children's books, in some sort of morality tale. And you know, this book was meant to be fun, fun to read, fun to look at the pictures, fun to take the little trip that Presto and Zesto take in the book, and that's what I hope people will take from it. And before we wrap things up, do you have any other projects lined up on the page or the stage? Oh boy, Emma, I'm one of those who can't stop working. So yes, there's um, in the book world, there's a trio of books that will come out starting next year with a wonderful illustrator, Sergio Rosier. I, I, I concocted a, a little triplet of books that he's illustrating the first one to be coming out in about a year from now. So there'll be some more books, and there's a couple of more books on the horizon in the theater world, which is both for children and then projects that are not for children. Um, I just completed a development process for a, a play based on the opera that Philip Glass and I collaborated on called The Fall of the House of Usher. And that's being um, developed with the director, Jim Simpson, and I are putting a, a sort of different spin. We're incorporating the opera into a theater work that involves um, narration and actors and puppets and all projections and all sorts of things. And on the family theater front, I'm working on an opera uh, based on King Matt, the novel, with an Israeli composer named Ronnie Shep, and trying to get this play that I wrote several years ago somewhat connected to the, the uh, events of 9-11 um, off the ground, and I hope by the time uh, in a few years that'll, that'll appear. So, frankly, that's just the partial list. <laughs> I've got my hands full, Emma. Congratulations on completing the book after all this time, and thank you for speaking with me. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I'm very happy to speak with you. Once again, I've been speaking with Arthur Yorinks, whose new book, Presto and Zesto in Limbo Land, is out now from Michael DeCapua Books. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. <laughs>